with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Thursday, May the 12th, 2022. By the glory of God, we're going to have a great day and you're only, I mean, you're like 24 hours away from your weekend. Okay, it's more like 30-ish and change, but it's not bad. You can do this, I promise. It's going to be a great day. Uh, Some good news, anyway, praise be to God, the tabernacle that was stolen in Houston, Texas has been recovered. The downside is it was empty in a Burger King parking lot. We're going to talk about that today on the show. Um, But also, we have Cameron O'Hearn on the program coming up at 35 past the hour to talk about the next release of the Mass of the Ages film. It's coming out. It's actually being uh, uh, screened in theaters as we speak. And we're going to talk about this film, what it means. I've seen this movie. I think uh, Rudy has seen this movie. So we're going to be discussing our thoughts on that program. Uh, Praise be to God. But speaking of Rudy, good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Uh, where, are you, where are you, Rudy? Oh, you're not what? in your regular chair today. Yeah, well, I'm filling in for Adrian. Adrian's on vacation, so here I am. Bear with me. Wow. Lots of dials. I noticed an immediate here. improvement in quality, and now I know. Is that right? Now I know. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm that's kind of you, Joe. The guy can't rebut because he's on an airplane going to Florida. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Adrian's on vacation today and tomorrow, but standing in for you, because you're standing in for Adrian, is our friend Mike Koeniger from uh, Virginia. Good morning to you, Mike. Oh, good oh, morning. Sorry about that. Uh, Mike, go. are you there? I'm there. He just had me muted. Praise be to God. <laughs> good morning, Mike. Good to see you. Thanks for filling in for us today. Now, you are an experienced oh, uh, news person with advanced degrees in journalism from Ivy League schools, I imagine. Because why else no, would you do no, this? No, sir. <laughs> I went to a Baptist school, number one, and uh, my majors were in education. <laughs> Sounds like the same thing to me. <laughs> And uh, Rudy said, "Rudy, you gotta, we have to be patient with Rudy today on the stream. He is, he is trying to spin all the plates for us today. But uh, Mike, you're going to be reading the news for us coming up, I guess, here in just a few minutes. Uh, are you ready, sir? Oh yes, sir. I'm absolutely ready. Uh, now I do want to talk about several things today on the program. Uh, I did notice this morning that the overdose overdose deaths." are at, a, at an all-time high now, apparently, since 2021, according to CDC data. Uh, fentanyl and methamphetamines are like uh, a plague across our country. But good news is we sent $40 billion to Ukraine. So there you go. There's that. Uh, Cardinal Zinn, uh, we're going to be discussing that today on the program at 15 past the hour. He was arrested yesterday. We did report that on the show. Uh, but uh, he's been released. We'll give you the latest on him. And then Elon Musk is facing federal investigation because he decided to purchase Twitter. So that's worthy of an investigation, I'm sure, right? And probably prison time, too. I don't even know. Good use of our resources. Yeah, good use of our... But we did send $40 billion to Ukraine, so there's that. Uh, And then, of course, we uh, have the story on the tabernacle that was found, and I understand that you have the latest information there, Mike. I I do, um, and and we'll be ready to get into it as soon as we have a moment. All right, praise be to God. All of that coming up this hour. Now, uh, very, very interesting stories in the news uh, today that we're going to be covering. So we're going to be doing uh, breaking news and stories with Mike here. Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll have the What's Concerning Us. And then I said Cameron O'Hearn, who is uh, one of the executive producers of the Mass of the Ages film, is going to be our guest. We are very excited to get a... Uh, a screening, so like a private 
we got to be able to watch this second release before it be- has become public, and I've not been able to legally share my thoughts and insights on this film with you until today. So we're going to be doing that with Cameron coming up at 35 past the hour. So, all right, praise be to God. We're going to jump into it. We're going to pray. We're going to get started. Let's pray for peace in this world, for the conversion of the grave and uh, terrible sinners that have committed so much sacrilege, especially against the Holy Eucharist, the Sacred Heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and pray for the church to fulfill its mission to save those souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Mike Gunniger. Oh, good morning, and thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, May 12th, and these are your headlines. As Joe mentioned, a U.S. overdose deaths hit record 107,000 last year, the CDC says. The provisional 2021 total translates to roughly one U.S. overdose every five minutes. It marked a 15% increase from the previous record set the year 2020. The CDC reviews death certificates and then estimates to account for delayed and incomplete reporting. Last year, overdoses involved in fentanyl and other synthetic opioids surpassed 71,000, up 23% from the year before. There was also a 23% increase in deaths involving cocaine and a 34% increase in deaths involving meth and other stimulants. Experts say the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated the problem as lockdowns and other restrictions isolated those with drug addictions and made treatment harder to get. According to Breitbart, Russia signals annexation of parts of Ukraine and Georgia. Russia's Russia's state-run TASS news service on Wednesday reported that the breakaway areas of Kyrgyzstan in Ukraine and South Ossetia in Georgia were asked to be incorporated into Russia. South Ossetia's president-elect Alan Gagloyev said his government is ready to hold a referendum on joining Russia as soon as Moscow gives it the green light. Gagloyev won Sunday's election against incumbent South Ossetian President Anatoly Anatoly, Anatoly Bivolov, who also promised to take steps to incorporate with the Russian Federation. The U.S. and European Union joined the government of Georgia in denouncing the election as illegitimate. Outright criminal. Congress dragged for rushing $40 billion to Ukraine, waiting two weeks to schedule a hearing on formula shortage. Congress was criticized on Wednesday after announcing that the House Energy and Commerce Committee would hold hearings on the baby formula shortage beginning May 25th. Baby formula supplies have dipped below 50% in a handful of states, so naturally, as the crisis worsens without an immediate solution in sight, Democrats, Democrats will, look, will take a look at it in two weeks. Town Hall Managing Editor Spencer Brown tweeted, adding, ENC Chair Frank Pallone said the nationwide infant formula shortages are increasingly alarming and demand Congress's immediate action and then scheduled a hearing, not actual action, for May 25th. Pro-abortion activists are protesting outside Nancy Pelosi's house, accusing her of being complicit in destroying abortion rights. We're here because Nancy Pelosi and the whole leadership of the Democratic Party has been complicit. 
complicit with a fascist Republican Party that wants to not only eliminate abortion rights, but gay marriage, trans rights, and a whole slew of rights, said the protest leader on her bullhorn. The protest appeared to be organized by a far-left pro-abortion group called Ruth Sent Us that demanded Pelosi investigate the Supreme Court justices in order to save abortion. They accused her of being careless and cowardly in her leadership and blamed her for not doing enough to prevent Brett Kavanaugh from being nominated to the Supreme Court. And those are your news headlines for this morning. God love you. The saint of the day are Saints Nereus and Achilles. So often we hear or even ourselves excuse an action by saying, it was only, I was only following orders. But Nereus and Achilles, for Nereus and Achilles that is, this excuse could not stand in the face of the cross. Everything we know from authority about the two first century martyrs comes from a testimony written by Pope Saint Damasus in the fourth century and inscribed on a memorial tablet that commemorates their lives. But even this commentary comes 300 years after they died. Damasus tells us that Nereus and Achilles were soldiers in the Roman army where they helped carry out the prosecution of Christians, the persecution that is. They probably had nothing against Christians and didn't care for the bloody slaughter they were commanded to perform, but they obeyed these cruel orders out of fear of dying themselves. After all, that was what soldiers have always been expected to do. We are not told how they were converted, only that it was a miracle of faith. After this miracle, they threw down their weapons and escaped from their camp, discarding armor and arms as they went toward their new life in Christ. As participants in the persecution, they knew perhaps better than any other Christian what pain awaited them. Faith, however, had triumphed over fear of death, and the victory of faith was the sweetest they had known. We are told they are martyred, but Damasus doesn't mention how. Later, legend had it that they served Flavia Domitilla, the great-niece of Emperor Domitian, and were exiled and executed with her when she converted. This legend probably originated in the fact that the martyrs were buried in what was later known as the cemetery of Domitilla. Saints Nereus and Achilles, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 16 through 20. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I am not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. But so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen. Amen. I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alcuin said mystically, When at our redemption we are changed by the shedding of his blood, he took again his garments, rising from the grave the third day, and clothed in the same body, now immortal, ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, from whence he shall come to judge the world. Close quote, Alcuin. 
Augustine would say, quote, this act is done literally by many, the washing of the feet, that is, which, by the way, Origen also says that it was done, but it was pretty much out of practice by the time Origen was writing it. It's very interesting, considering he's a third century uh, early church father. Augustine says this act is done literally by many when they receive one another in hospitality, for it is unquestionably better that it should be done with the hands and that the Christian disdain not to do what Christ did. For when the body is bent at the feet of a brother, the feeling of humility is made to rise in the heart, or if it be there already is confirmed. But besides this moral meaning, is not a brother able to change a brother from the pollution of sin? Let us confess our faults one to another, forgive one another's faults, pray for one another's faults. In this way, we shall wash one another's feet. Close quote. St. Augustine, pray for us. Now, I found it very interesting because there was a conversation going on amongst the church fathers about whether or not Judas was among those whom God has chosen. This is interesting. Augustine says, quote, As if to say there is one among you who will not be blessed, nor doeth these things. I know whom I have chosen, whom but those who shall be happy by doing his commandments. Judas, therefore, was not chosen. But if so, why does he say in another place, Have not I chosen you twelve? Because Judas was chosen for that for which he was necessary, but not for that happiness of which he says, Happy are ye if ye do them, close quote, St. Augustine. So, seems to be, in St. Augustine's mind, <laughs> Judas is pretty much on the outside. Well, he did commit suicide, right? We all know that. Chrysostom says, then, quote, then, that he might not sadden them all, he adds, but the scripture must be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me, showing that he knew who the traitor was, and an intimation that would surely have checked him, if anything would. He does not say, shall betray me, but shall lift up his heel against me, alluding to his deceit and secret plotting. Going on to say, so that if injured ever by our servants or inferiors, we need not be offended. Judas had received infinite benefits and yet thus requited his benefactor. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. And we're going to be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. 
The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to have a conversation with Cameron O'Hearn with the Mass of the Ages. Their second film in their trilogy is out right now. Uh, we'll find out how you can watch it. I have seen it, and we're going to have a conversation about what this film means, its impact, its intended audience, and everything else coming up at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that if you can. Uh, but uh, Mike Koeniger, good morning to you again. Thanks for reading the news for us. We, we appreciate that. Oh, good morning. It's great to be here. Well, as I say always, there are stories that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to most of you as well. And one of them is this tabernacle that was stolen from a Catholic parish in our neck of the woods, just on the street from us at St. Bartholomew Catholic Church. I know the pastor. I have known him for many years. And uh, just the sinking feeling in my gut uh, over this has just been really heavy. Well, yesterday we discovered that they found the empty tabernacle in a parking lot at a Burger King. And uh, Mike, I bet, I bet you have the information. I, I do, and I scanned the news this morning to make sure there hadn't been any changes. I couldn't find any updates on the story, but I spoke to Adrian last night, and he had been in touch with a big friend of the show, Jesus Robles, who had said that, yes, they did get a picture of the tabernacle in a Burger King parking lot on Wednesday, by the way, or mm. Tuesday, rather, on Tuesday. The picture had been taken on Tuesday, and the person who took the picture went to pick up, pick up her kids from school, and when she got back, it was gone. So they seen it. They didn't find it. Oh, wow. They do, yes, bad news in that regard. They do have a video of the man and the woman who they believe stole it. The second time? The first time. Okay, so the first time. We have the original thieves. Okay. And, and what they did was they were caught on a camera at an ATM withdrawing money. So they actually have video of them oh, wow. uh, withdrawing money from the ATM. And so the police department is working very hard. They're hoping to find it by the end of the day today. Uh, there is a deacon on the police force who was obviously pushing very hard for this. And uh, I, I'm going to keep scanning to see if, any, if we get any updates about an arrest. But we think an arrest is imminent. You know, just seeing the, the image, and I'm sharing it on my desktop now, so Rudy, if you want to put that up, of uh, Adrian Fonseca's Twitter feed where he posted this image. I posted it yesterday as well. And uh, it's just to see a tabernacle standing up next to uh, a Burger King building and the door uh, busted open so that they could take whatever's inside is gut-wrenching as Catholics. Gut-wrenching. Because we know that the most valuable thing on planet Earth is the Holy Eucharist because it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who by no merit of ours has gifted to humanity his very life, actual grace communicated to us, his actual presence amongst us. And that is what they stole, leaving this golden box uh, lying there on the side of this Burger King building. 
absolutely uh, insane to me. And then I guess it's not lost on me because we reported it not even all that long ago that during Holy Week, Burger King, of all people, decided to, uh, to, uh, to take the very words of institution and use them to hawk burgers. And it's like my mind is blown. I guess they were vegetarian burgers. I forget. Um, but it's just my mind is really uh, blown by this and really it is very upsetting. You know, and I, I, I'll go back and I'll say what I said before. If you put the tabernacle back in the high altar, bolt it down, you will not have this problem. They will not be able to take that tabernacle very easily from you if it's in the high altar and bolted down versus on a pedestal. I can't imagine the gut-wrenching feeling that Father Chris Plant is, on, uh, is probably feeling at this moment. I, I can't imagine. Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for the entire staff at the parish because it is really difficult to talk about. Let's change to uh, the subject that came out yesterday. We actually talked about this yesterday. It broke while we were on the, our after show. So I did mention this. I saw Edward Penton discussing this yesterday morning. And that was that Cardinal Zen had been arrested. Here's the latest. Here's an article out of the Crisis Magazine by Eric Salmon. It says, Cardinal Joseph Zen, retired Cardinal Bishop of Hong Kong and one of the world's leading human rights activists, was arrested on Wednesday evening in Hong Kong along with three others. The four arrested were trustees of the 612 Humanitarian Relief Fund, an organization that helps Hong Kong democracy activists pay their legal fees. Zen and the others were arrested for collusion with foreign forces, an offense which is part of a new security law instituted last year by Beijing to crack down on growing pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. They were later released on bail. The arrest of a prominent cardinal by the Chinese government raises some uncomfortable and delicate questions about the cozy relationship that Pope Francis's Vatican has fostered with Beijing. In addition, one has to wonder if Zen's own strained relationship with the Pope, due in part to the close Rome-Beijing relationship, will result in a muted response from the Vatican about this outrageous act by the Chinese government. And uh, I'll remind you that it wasn't all that long ago when Cardinal Zen snuck out knowing that this very thing could happen to him, that he might be arrested for doing it, that he snuck out of Hong Kong, came to Rome, and tried to get an audience with His Holiness Pope uh, Francis to uh, beg for relief of what's going on there against the church, against the faithful there, and he was not given an audience with His Holiness. Um, however, uh, recently, Pope Francis did find time to make sure he responded to every one of, of Father James Martin's questions. He had time for that. He hasn't responded to the dubia of the four cardinals from now years ago, but, and he didn't have time to receive Cardinal Zen. But they are, according to an article I saw this morning, carefully following and watching what happens to the good cardinal now that he has been arrested. Uh, very troubling, I would say. A very concerning story. Mike, uh, I, I think you were following this, too. I am following it. And, you know, Cardinal Zen, who they, uh, the Chinese call uh, Grandpa Cardinal, by the way. I thought that was really cool that that's what they call him. Uh, is a great man, uh, practitioner of the traditional Latin Mass, and, and very friendly to that community. And a salation, by the way. Uh, he was uh, working with an organization to provide bail and legal advice to protesters who'd been arrested by the Chinese. And so these other three folks they swept up with him. I think one was a singer, 
one was a, a member of the legislature in Hong Kong, and, and I can't remember who the third person was right off the top of my head. A lawyer, a lawyer. Uh, they were all involved in this organization. I, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was like 612 or a, a number yeah, like 612, that. Yeah, 612, yeah. So I, I, I find it intriguing that the Pope hasn't come out more forcefully on this issue or the issue we talked about right before this story uh, yeah. with the tabernacle and the desecration of the body of our Lord. You know, it wasn't um, the only one, by the way. Going back to that for a sec, uh, there was actually uh, somebody who attempted to steal a host from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Church in also in Houston, Texas. Arguably, the, uh, the, the largest you know, congregation, registered number of parishioners in the country, if not the, it's the second largest. There's the one in, uh, I think it's uh, Charleston that uh, always claims to fame for that. But either way, somebody tried to steal a host at the 12 o'clock mass this past Sunday and almost got away with it until they were confronted. And when they were confronted, they took the host and broke it into a bunch of pieces and tossed it everywhere. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, and uh, good argument for, you know, suspending communion in the hand. Father Peter Damien from the, uh, the, from the Dominicans on Monday discussed that at his parish. It's like, we can't do this anymore for prudential reasons, let alone theological ones. Put that to the side for a sec. How about prudential reasons to prevent, to, to mitigate the risks involved in the sacrileges? We have to do and take an action, which is why I say put the tabernacle back in the high altar. I think that will also help. But uh, very concerning story there for sure. So going back to Cardinal Zen, you know, there's this secret deal that we don't really know the, de the details of the China, uh, uh, the, the Vatican China deal. Uh, some have said and reported that a billion dollars is involved of payments back to the Vatican. We don't know that's true. I don't know. Nobody really knows because it's not been released, but it's uh, speculated anyway. Uh, they get to choose the bishops. And the Vatican signs off on them. So that's always been a grave concern. So you have an above-ground church and an underground church, which divides the people tremendously. Having interacted with Chinese Catholics here locally, and there's a quite of a community here of them, I can tell you they are very much divided on the issue. It becomes very political and very uh, difficult for them to navigate the tricky waters between the above-ground uh, accepted church and the below-ground church of the faithful who just want to be Catholic, and they don't want to deal with this communist ideology that gets infused into Catholic theology. And it's a big problem. This is why Cardinal Zinn has been speaking out, and now, who knows? I mean, I don't, I, I'm, he's a brave man. He probably is not as worried about it as I am, but at the same time... I mean, he could be looking at dying in prison at this point. We don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. The uh, end of the article of uh, Eric Sammons over Crisis Magazine says, If the Vatican doesn't vigorously act to demand the immediate acquittal of Cardinal Zen, along with those arrested with him, it will set a terrible precedent. When even a cardinal of the church is not immune from a politically motivated arrest by the Chinese government, what is the purpose of any deal or agreement between Rome and Beijing? The worse Zen is treated, the more obvious it becomes the Vatican is just the lapdog of Beijing. Further, if the Vatican does not protest strenuously against Zen's treatment, even to the point of terminating its agreement with Beijing, then it's open season on all Chinese Catholics. And 
any illusion that the 2018 agreement would protect the rights of Chinese Catholics to freely practice their religion would disappear. As Cardinal Zen predicted, it would be handing the flock over to the wolves. What can we ordinary Catholics do to help Cardinal Zen? First, we must pray and fast for the courageous Cardinal and all persecuted Chinese Catholics. Let's flood heaven for this brave witness to the faith and advocate for the dignity of all men and women. We can also contact our bishop, the papal nuncio, and even the Vatican directly and insist that they do everything in their power to protect the rights of Cardinal Zen and other Chinese Catholics. No political agreement is more important than the rights and freedoms of persecuted Catholics. The Pope and the Vatican must be made to see that their snug relationship with Beijing is being exposed right now, and they will have to choose a side. And that is uh, the, the last couple paragraphs of Eric Salmon's article over at Crisis Magazine, which you can find linked up at crisismagazine.com. All eyes on the Vatican after Cardinal Zen's arrest is the headline. So check that out. We'll post links to it in our social feeds. But uh, we're about to go to a break. And when we do, I'm very excited because on the other side of the break, not only does Mike get to uh, read the news in his wonderful Virginian accent, praise be to God, uh, but also we are going to have a wonderful conversation with Cameron O'Hearn from Mass of the Ages. Their second film is out and uh, they're showing it in theaters right now, as a matter of fact, with special groups. Praise be to God. We'll talk to him about that. I had an opportunity. I think Rudy had an opportunity to watch it. And we will be able to officially tell you what we think of this film when we discuss that with Cameron O'Hearn. Where and how did the Novus Ordo Misse come to be? Why did we make such a stark change? A lot of that is addressed in this film, and we're going to discuss that. I wonder if you know. Do you know the history of that? Well, this film is an excellent education piece to teach you about that history very clearly. All that coming up right after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to the Men's March. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Tribe Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, World Headlines. 
Democrat-led abortion bill fails in the Senate. Senate Democrats on Wednesday failed to advance the Women's Health Protection Act that would enshrine abortion access into federal law. A Republican filibuster blocked the bill with 51 to 49 votes against proceeding with the legislation to make the president set in Roe v. Wade into law. Senate Democrats needed 60 votes to move forward. West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin sided with the Republicans. He said that while he supports Roe v. Wade, the Women's Health Protection Act was too broad. Belarus to deploy special forces to southern border near Ukraine. Belarus will deploy special operations troops in three areas near its southern border with Ukraine, the armed forces said on Tuesday as President Alexander Lukashenko talked up the role of Russian-made missiles in boosting the country's defenses. Minsk has complained for months about NATO countries amassing soldiers near its borders. Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia are all members of the alliance and is increasing the amount of intensity on its own military exercises in response. According to Breitbart, Joe Biden does total reversal on $450,000 payouts to border crossers. Last year, Biden's Departments of Justice, Homeland Security, and Health and Human Services were in settlement talks with border crossers represented by the American Civil Liberties Union, who claimed they have suffered trauma as a result of former President Trump's zero-tolerance policy. In late December 2021, after intense backlash, ACLU attorneys announced that the Biden administration had dropped their plans to offer $450,000 payments to the 940 border crossers filing claims. The attorneys had asked for an average of $3.4 million for each illegal alien family. Now, not only has Biden reversed his plans to give payouts to border crossers, his Department of Justice is seeking to have the claims dismissed in federal courts. The cost of the payouts to border crossers would have been upwards of $1 billion, more than was given to the American victims of the September 11th terrorist attacks or the Boston Marathon bombing victims. Finally, a little bit better news, Cardinal Zen released on bail after being arrested for allegedly colluding with foreign forces. Cardinal Zen has reportedly been released on bail after he was arrested by Hong Kong police under the terms of the 2020 National Security Law. Hong Kong journalist Chris Chang, who reported on Zen's arrest, noted that the Cardinal will be released on bail along with three others who were arrested with him. And those are your headlines. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Mike Honegger, for keeping us up to date. Uh, adding your own little uh, background music there. Oh, congratulations. Praise be to God. <laughs> Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Cameron O'Hearn. He is the producer and director of Mass of the Ages, a trilogy of films, which uh, the second one is releasing right now. Good morning to you, Cameron. Good morning. Am I coming through all right? Praise be to God. We hear you. Uh, hopefully. Do you have a dog? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> Just, it, just a bunch of little kids. Praise be to God. I made. I got those and a bunch of dogs, so it's, it's even louder <laughs> at my place. But uh, Cameron, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, I had an opportunity to watch this film. Uh, thank you for sharing it with us. It was a, a delight to watch. We're very grateful for it. But what, let's, let's start with the beginning for those that uh, aren't familiar. What is Mass of the Ages? Uh, what are you trying to do here? So Mass of the Ages is a documentary trilogy on the Latin Mass. So if you're going to make something about the Latin Mass, uh, you can start in a dozen different places. And there's so many things you, you want to get through. There's so many points in history. There's so many distinct differences between the old Mass and the new Mass. So we decided to, with episode one, just provide a storytelling approach 
there was kind of a winsome introduction to the Latin Mass. Mm. So why is the Latin Mass important, just foundationally? Episode two then gets into the um, the history of what happened right after Vatican II. It's kind of a, an exciting investigation um, into the Concilium, the committee that was put together by Paul VI to assemble the new Mass, and it takes a lot of twists and turns, and it's a very surprising history. And then episode three is uh, not out yet, not for a while, <laughs> and that'll get into the future of the Latin Mass. So what do we do after this motu proprio that came out with Pope Francis, and what more is happening you know, in the Vatican, and, and uh, how is tradition going to stay alive? Yeah. When you when you were filming, did you film everything at once, or you are you still in the production process? We uh, so Tom, our cinematographer, just last week was in Rome filming uh, for episode three. Mm-hmm. So we're we're pretty much constantly doing something uh, in terms of production. But originally in 2020, when we raised the funds, the initial funds, we we had a just a few places we could go to we a few places in the country um and so we started filming and and doing that but the more that funds started to come in the more we could expand uh the scope of these films and now it's it's global so we've been to france and italy and uh we're uh in talks now to to go to africa um we filmed with martin mosebach who's who's in Germany, but we we found him when when he was coming through Rome. Uh, obviously, all over the country. So we've been a lot of places, and uh, yeah, it's it's we're we're not sitting around waiting around uh, for the you know not doing anything. We're we're <laughs> constantly filming and working on this. I'm thing. sure I'm you really are. Tired. I was uh, it, <laughs> I was very curious in how how you were managing the production process more than anything. But uh, having watched the second film. Uh, I found it incredibly educational. Um, I would argue, because I came from, you know, uh, Protestant background, converted to the church, obviously, in the Novus Ordo for, for most of my Catholic life, and only in the last, you know, decade have I moved traditional. And when I did, I almost did so begrudgingly, I would argue, even reluctantly. Um, and it's been a real opportunity for me to discover and learn about the Catholic faith in a way that I never had before. And one of those questions that was always in my mind now, at least the last couple of years, has been, golly gee whiz, how how did we get from what I see in the TLM to what I have known and experienced over now two decades plus in the Novus Ordo? It seems like they are two different churches completely. Uh, And this is something you try to tackle in this film. Oh, that's a great point because, you know, from our early childhood upbringings, if we've ever heard, those of us who didn't grow up with the Latin Mass, if we've ever heard about the Latin Mass, it was, oh yeah, the Mass used to be with the priest with his back to you in a language you didn't understand. You know, now we have the priest facing us and we can understand it and that's all good. And we hear these kind of superficial differences and even us who are deep in the literature who've studied the history, who know, who know a lot of the differences, even a lot of us don't know the extent of the differences. Yes. I mean, when I was putting this together and you remember the, 
the animation that actually shows pretty yeah. much line by line the what was taken away, what was added, what are the differences. I'm not talking about the externals, um, not so much the music, um, the, the trappings, but the actual content, the bones, the heart um, of, of the liturgy. Well, I would say the heart is the Eucharist, but the we're, we're kind of mixing I knew metaphors. Meant. I knew what you meant. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so this is all really surprising. Even me putting it together, I was shocked. Even though I had read the book, studied it, just to see it all put together in an accessible, engaging way, Just, yeah. I think it's a watershed moment for Catholics. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Bishop Strickland would mind me saying that uh, when when he saw it and I got his thoughts, he, w- he was just blown away. Yeah. This is, even though he's sympathetic to the Latin Mass, even though he's considered a traditional bishop, right? He he was blown away. And you can imagine how many bishops are out there that just don't know our story and, mm. and the story of the new Mass. That was one of the things about this film that I would say I like the most in uh, in watching this was your use and your team's use of uh, of graphics of animations of illustrations to communicate what would otherwise be a very complicated issue when i when i gave my heart to christ and to his holy catholic church i got very involved in uh, apologetics scriptural apologetics arguing with non-catholic protestants and uh and i never paid attention to the liturgy like i just took it for granted and now I'm like, my mind is blown because uh, you, you learn some things that you never knew before, and it gives new light and perspective on the same early church fathers that I plowed through uh, so many years ago in learning apologetics. And, you're, and you see that they're speaking from the heart of the liturgy in many and profound ways that you could never fathom. So looking at these uh, graphics and these, uh, these uh, illustrations that you put, boy, you made that clear. You make that simple, and you did it in a very good way. I would find that that would have, I probably would have got stuck for three years just trying to figure out how to do that same thing. So hats off to you on that aspect. Um, now, where, let me ask you a question. Who do you think is your target audience for this. Is it the Nova Soto Suburban Catholic that you're going after, or are you looking for support from the traditionals? That's a great question. So traditional Catholics are going to love this film because it's the film we've been waiting for. It's the film we want to share with our family to show this is why you know, we love the Latin Mass. Um, but that's not our target audience. So we made an intentional effort to make these films universal. So we're not making a Catholic film for Catholics. We're making a documentary about this exciting time in the church, and we want to make it accessible to any viewer of any faith. But particularly, Mm. um, you want a target audience in mind, and our target audience are the practicing Catholics in the pews who uh, attend the New Mass. And so we're really telling our story in an accessible way for the, the faithful Catholic in the Novus Ordo Mass. Hold that thought. Cameron O'Hearn is our guest, director and producer of Mass of the Ages. And uh, you can find more information at latinmass.com. Be right back. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, (laughs) repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, 
the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're talking with Cameron O'Hearn. He is the director and producer of Mass of the Ages. The second the second film, the second volume is out, or is uh, about to be released to the general public, but they're showing it in films right now. By the way, you can find information about this project at latinmass.com. Welcome back to the show, Cameron O'Hearn. Uh, my friend Mike Kay there, who's filling in for, for us today because Adrian's on vacation. Um, Mike, you've been a Catholic way longer than I have, like since the dawn of time. You know, in the beginning <laughs> there was dirt and then Mike Kay, something like that. Now, you, your experience of this shift between Novus Ordo and, and Latimas is somewhat different than mine. Maybe you could chime in there. I'd love to. I was baptized under the uh, original rite, uh, not because there were options, but because that's all there was. So I'm, I'm that old. And <laughs> I, I don't remember the Latin Mass as a youth, though I, I know my first communion happened during a Latin Mass. But I was an altar boy, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old in the early 70s. And son of a deacon who loved the Latin rite was the altar boy in the Latin rite and, and used to sit and read his missal uh, from the 1950s and just thought it was wonderful. And so I had gone to Father Harris, who's in my head canon, by the way, uh, and asked if I could, we could do a Latin Mass. And he said, I'd love to, but I'm not allowed to. So I, I want to ask you, Cameron, was there a de facto ban or, or was it just a verbal ban? Or how did that ban happen in the 70s where we were no longer allowed to use the Latin, right? Yeah, so in the... in. It was really advent of 69 that the promulgation of the new missile happened, but it was leading into the new year. So you can say 1970 was typically when the, the new mass was promulgated officially, universally. Now, um, Benedict XVI in 2007, uh, in his motu proprio, he said that it was never juridically abrogated. Um, but practically, and for all intents and purposes, and the perception was... That in 1970, the new mass has been released. The the updated revised mass from Vatican II has been released for the universal, you know, Latin Rite Church, and um, so for all intents and purposes, the the perception was that this was the new mass, and um, so the you know the story on the ground was that. The, the Latin Mass was completely removed from every church. 
And, and that's like what I experienced was a def, I call it a de facto ban. And just wanted to add very quickly uh, and regarding the importance of your work is I then left the church at 14, 15 years of age and did wow. not come back for 40 years. And then when I discovered the Latin mass came roaring back uh, a few years wow. ago. Praise so God. the work is incredibly important. Thanks. Thank Ru you. Rudy? That's, that's incredible. Cameron, uh, I have a question regarding the changes. You know, after the new Missae was, was uh, shown to different uh, bishops and cardinals, many of them were, well, not many of them, but some of them commented that this was very dangerous to the faith. And I'm wondering if any of that information was, was given to Pope Paul VI and internalized, because it seems as if there was a danger. There, there were many bishops who foresaw that this would be a danger to the faith. And uh, was there any sort of action done by, by Pope Paul VI to, to change course? That's a great question. So what we've all heard is that, you know, Second Vatican Council, great optimism. 99% of the bishops at Vatican II wanted changes to the liturgy. And then people fast forward to 1970. Now we have the new liturgy, so we should just go along with it. But in 1967, the, um, there was a synod of bishops where they unveiled the mass that they were working on. So here's you know, the great majority of the changes we want to we wanna do. And actually, at that synod, you started, started to see um, a rupture in, in the terms of um, the bishops being split in half. So a lot of bishops weren't accepting the mass. They, they, uh, they weren't accepting all of these revisions. And... So they, they wrote down their concerns. They took votes. Um, you can find these votes online. Just, just Google, you know, the 1967 Synod of Bishops. You can pick up um, Anabale Bunini's uh, Reform of the Liturgy. His book details it. And he actually has the quotes from the bishops. So these quotes were presented to Paul VI. But what we have to realize is um, this synod happening and these bishops presenting their concerns, they thought, okay, now something's going to be done about it. What happened after that was, and you can, you can read this in Reform of the Liturgy, Bunini himself says, you know, Holy Father, you shouldn't take this all too seriously because, you know, these bishops, it wasn't presented correctly and, uh, you know, the, the air conditioner wasn't on or whatever. And uh, this, this wasn't representative of the entire universal church because this is... This is not all the bishops of the church. So he was, he was trying to massage the is issue to say, Holy Father, don't worry. Um, this is good. I've been, I've been hearing things from all over the world that what we're doing is really good. So there's all, this all these politics at play. And you can read, actually, and the surprising thing is the actual documentation, what the bishops said. Originally, they were optimistic. The vast majority of them wanted changes. When they saw the changes that actually took place, they had many, many reservations. Um, and Pope Paul VI uh, himself believed in these reforms, some of these reforms of vernacular liturgy um, and the like, but he, he himself, Pope Paul VI, had re reservations that maybe they were going too far. And this is also detailed in the, in the documentary, and it's all, it's all documentary evidence, so you, you can look it up for yourself. When does the film release again? May 26th, um, so Ascension Thursday in the traditional calendar, and it's online, YouTube Live. So if you find Mass of the Ages on YouTube, you can join us for the live premiere. 
And it will be available after that to be watched still on YouTube, or, or yes, okay. it'll just be free to watch on YouTube after that. Because it's you've you fundraised to get all the money needed to to make all this happen, so there's no paying for the film at this point. That's right. We don't want to put up any barriers. There's already barriers to the Latin Mass. People have all these hurdles <laughs> yeah. before they can get there. Yeah. So we, we want to make these accessible and, and universal to everyone. Speaking of barriers, even though there was a tabernacle stolen and even though there's a grave desecration going on around the world and, and so many injustices, abortion and everything else, His Holiness did take time to, uh, to speak uh, on the Latin Mass community of people who love tradition Mass over the weekend. He says, quote, uh, the liturgical life must lead to greater ecclesial unity unity, not to division, the pontiff told faculty and students of the Pontifical Liturgical Institute on Saturday, saying, quote, when liturgical life is something of a banner of division, there is the odor of the devil, the deceiver. He says, it's, it is not possible to worship God and at the same time make the liturgy a battlefield for issues that are not essential indeed for outdated issues and to take a stand starting with the liturgy with the ideologies that divide the church. Close quote. He was speaking of uh, the traditional Latin Mass. How would you respond to that, Cameron O'Hearn? I sincerely believe that His Holiness Pope Francis doesn't know the story. I sincerely believe that. I think... Um, the education of most of our bishops and cardinals is the typical talking points we hear that the new mass is the mass of um, St. John the 23rd, St. Paul the 6th, um, St. John Paul the 2nd. It is the new mass, the unique expression of the Roman rite. It is the mass. And the Latin mass is a, an exception, an exception to the rule. It's, it's allowed. It's tolerated. Um, that that is what's understood by the vast majority of our bishops, and I, I sincerely believe that our Holy Father um, hasn't been to or even celebrated a Latin Mass. I, I don't know. Um, and if he if he if he actually went to a Latin Mass and met these people and talked to us, mm. dialogued with us, accompanied yeah. us. He would see that we're not divisive. Hmm. The vast majority of us, you can always stereotype, but the vast majority of us are just, we are the faithful ones. Division is about, um, I mean, if you look at the, the Latin mass communities, we are united on doctrine. We believe in the real presence. We believe in the Catholic Church's moral teaching. No matter where you go, the mass is the same. We're united in language and worship. And... I, the the Latin Mass is a source of unity, so I sincerely believe he just um, he doesn't know the story, and that that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. You know, it's interesting. We only have a couple of minutes left with Cameron O'Hearn from the Mass of the Ages film. By the way, uh, again, that website. If you want more information about it and where you can uh, find a way to watch it, all of that, it's their YouTube channel, but also LatinMass.com. Um, I find it very interesting because I read at the pillar. I think it was late last week, there was an article at the Pillar about Vatican II and the fall decline in vocations. And in the article, they really uh, speculate that the, uh, that the decline in vocations came started before Vatican II, not after Vatican II. And when I read that, the one thing that came to mind, and I'd like to get your comment with about a minute and a half to go, is I'm wondering if the tinkering of the Holy Mass, beginning with Holy Week and uh, uh, the, the 55, I think it was, uh, changing the liturgy there, became...
seen that decline that we see gets exasperated after Vatican II, which obviously fell into really bad decline. What would you say to that, Cameron Hearn? Traditional Catholics can't say that before Vatican II is this golden age of the church, that every, if the, everything was perfect before Vatican II and after Vatican II, everything, you know, went to hell. Yeah. Um, that, that is not, that is not the, the case. There was a decline in, you know, belief in the real presence, uh, mass attendance. Uh, I actually don't know about belief in the real presence, but there was a decline in mass attendance, decline in vocations, um, starting before Vatican II. But the point is that Vatican II did not stop the hemorrhage. We were supposed to have a new springtime, and it hasn't produced what it's promised. Amen. Yeah, it's true. Well, we're out of time. Mass of the Ages. Uh, I watched it. It's great. I would encourage you to watch it when it releases later this month. Go to latinmass.com for the details. Share it with a friend. And be prepared to watch it live on, I think it's May 26th. Cameron O'Hearn, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for uh, being on with us today. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one. Thank you to Mike Koeniger for pitching in for us while Adrian is on vacation. And uh, Rudy for producing. But... uh, in the next hour, if you can join us, we have a great hour lined up. We have Fear and Trembling, the after show, and so much more. Join us online, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and I love you. March to end abortion and rally for personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org. 
from the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the, the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Hi, I'm Caden from St. Rosalima Parish. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Thursday, May the 12th, 2022. And uh, it's going to be a great day. By the way, before I forget, today's the day I send out the CDT Insider email. So make sure you're on our email list. Uh, it's a great way to allow me to harass you at least once a week. Praise be to God. And uh, I also like to send, every week I like to find something special to send to our CDT insiders. So I'll be doing that today. It's always uh, some entertainment of the week or something that you probably didn't know about, some movie that you haven't seen before, and I send it to you. So uh, be sure to get on that email list by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Or you can simply text on your cell phone the letters GRN to the number 42828. Great way to get on that email list. That's, that's text GRN to the number 42828. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God, you're producing today. I am. I am spinning plates, and I'm looking for my camera mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm going to translate. <laughs> here I am. So, uh, good morning. Adrian Fonseca is on vacation. Well, I hope he's enjoying it. Uh, really? You really want him I, to enjoy it? Let's I be hope you enjoy it, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, he had to fly Spirit Airlines. So that's Yikes. penance, I would argue. Well, at least you don't have to wear masks. So uh, well, yeah, not anymore. But on Spirit, you may want to. I'm just, <laughs> no, just throwing that out there. But. I love the airplanes. You know, when they were doing the mask mandate thing, they would say, "Oh, we have nothing but the best HIPAA filters." Right. Oh, exactly. da, da, da. <laughs> oh, there's no way you're gonna get sick. Yeah, I got sick. People. I got sick. People. <laughs> I got sick at an airport too back in January of 2020. But uh, neither here nor there. Mike Koeniger's on with us. He's been filling in because Adrian's on vacation as well, reading the news for us. Good morning to you, Mike. Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. And I am alive. The <laughs> <laughs> this dad's voice they're listening to, so they're they're wanting. Can you to, put those dogs on camera? They're wanting to get in on the action, I guess. Uh, so uh, we had a great conversation with Cameron O'Hearn last hour from uh, Mass of the Ages. It's going to be a wonderful film. You have not seen it, right, Mike? I have not, and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I I actually supported them in their uh, awesome. producing of these documentaries. Cannot wait for part two, and yeah. of course, I'm looking forward to part three next year. Yeah, praise be to God. I, I have to say, I, the the one aspect of the film that I liked the most was just the use of animation to to make the complex more digestible. Because I'm not a complicated guy, you know. So I like knuckle dragger level stuff, 
you know, make it simple. And they did that. And I was very happy. It really made it a more enjoyable experience for me. So looking forward to seeing that release come up in May, on May. I think it's May 26th. Uh, we also reported last hour, you did, Mike, that uh, the, the, the tabernacle that was stolen in Houston was found. Found and then lost. Uh, yeah, found and lost. Explain that real quick for those that are just joining us. Uh, a picture was taken of the tabernacle outside of a Burger King by a lady who had to then go pick up her kids from school. And by the time she got back, it was gone again. Yeah, that's utterly insane. Um, so, but we're, there's, there's hope that they will recover the tabernacle, but it has obviously been uh, ransacked, broken into, and the, the Holy Eucharist removed. So they left the box behind and took its pre- uh, precious and blessed content, contents. So lots to make reparation for today, so keep that in your prayers. But in this hour, nonetheless, we do have good news coming up, praise be to God. We also have a Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and the uh, the game show, Fear and Trembling with Prizes at Stake. And uh, Mike, you get to play the game today, so maybe you could give... Uh, you're not wearing a tie. Uh, I'm, we're still trying to interpret what that means for Rudy over there, but... <laughs> Uh, are you tricky or not tricky? Give us a, like on a scale of one to ten. How are you on the tricky scale? Negative sixteen, John. Negative on. sixteen. I don't know. <laughs> That's too specific. Mm. That's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> that. Let's just say I cannot play poker. Maybe I should text the Office of Disinformation here just to kind of get their take and fact check that real quick. But uh, all right, we'll find out. Fifteen past the hour. I'll give you the phone number, and you can try your hand whether or not Mike Koniger is tricky or not. We'll find out today coming up here in a moment. But first, let's pray. Let's dive in in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Mike Koeniger. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here is your good news story. LifeSite reports that the U.S. bishops proclaim day of fasting and prayer tomorrow on May 13th to end abortion. After the news of the leaked draft opinion, which could overturn Roe v. Wade and riots and violence by abortion activists across the country, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has called for May 13th to be a day of prayer and fasting. That is tomorrow. The 13th of this month is the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, marking the anniversary of the apparition of Our Lady to three shepherd children in the small village of Fatima in Portugal in 1917. Accordingly, the USCCB has called for it to be a day of prayer and fasting to end abortion. In response to the leak of a draft opinion in the U.S. Supreme Court case of Dobbs v. Jackson's Jackson Women's Health Organization, some abortion advocates are calling for nationwide demonstrations, disruptions of church services, and personal intimidation of specific Supreme Court justices, the statement by the USCCB Public Affairs Office reads. Since the leak of the Supreme Court's draft opinion, abortion activists have become violent in their protests and have particularly targeted Catholic churches. This past Sunday, on Mother's Day, abortion protesters desecrated churches and in one case stole the tabernacle, as we've been talking about. In light of this, Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles, president of the USCCB, and Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, chairman of the USCCB's Committee on Pro-Life Activities, have encouraged the faithful to participate in prayer and fasting tomorrow. 
In the midst of current tensions, the bishops appealed, we invite Catholics around the country to join us in fasting and praying the rosary on Friday, May 13th, the memorial of Our Lady of Fatima. Let us offer our prayers and fasting for these intentions, for our nation, for the integrity of our judicial system, and that all three branches of government be dedicated to seeking the common good and protecting the dignity and rights of the human person from conception to natural death. For the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey in the Supreme Court's final decision in Dobbs v. Jackson, for the conversion of the hearts and minds of those who advocate for abortion, for a new commitment to building an America where children are welcomed, cherished, and cared for, where mothers and fathers are encouraged and strengthened, and where marriage and the family are recognized and supported as the true foundations of a healthy and flourishing society. For our blessed mother's intercession and guidance as the church continues to walk with mothers and families in need and continues to promote alternatives to abortion and seeks to create a culture of life. Catholics across the country are using the rosary as a spiritual weapon to combat the evils of abortion and the abortion industry. Now the USCCB are calling on all Catholics to unite in the battle against the culture of death. And that's your good news. God love you. The saint is the saints of the day, that is. We got two today, our saints Nereus and Achilles. So often we hear people, or even ourselves, excuse an action by saying, I was only following orders. But for Nereus and Achilles, this excuse could not stand in the face of the cross. Everything we know from authority about the two first century martyrs comes from a testimony written by Saint Pope Damasus in the fourth century and inscribed on a memorial tablet that commemorates their lives. But even this commentary comes 300 years after they died. Damasus tells us that Nereus and Achilles were soldiers in the Roman army who uh, helped carry out persecution of Christians. They probably had nothing against Christians and didn't care for the bloody slaughter they were commanded to perform. But they obeyed these cruel orders out of fear of dying themselves. After all, that's what soldiers have always been expected to do. We are not told of how they were converted, only that it was a miracle of faith. After this miracle, they threw down their weapons and escaped from their camp, discarding armor and arms as they went towards their new life in Christ. As participants in the persecution, they knew perhaps better than any other Christian what pain awaited them. Faith, however, had triumphed over fear of death, and the victory of faith was the sweetest they had ever known. We are told they were martyred, but Damasus doesn't mention how. Later legend has it that they served Flavia Domitilla, the great-niece of Emperor Domitian, and were exiled and executed with her when she converted. This legend probably originated in the fact that the martyrs were buried in what was later known as the cemetery of Domitilla. Saints Nereus and Achilles, Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 16 through 20. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I am not speaking of all of you, I know those whom I have chosen. But so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen. 
Amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Before I forget, let me just sneak this in here. I am. Do you remember what that means? I've told you this before. I'm sure you've heard it a bunch of other places as well. I am, the Greek word, uh, the Greek, uh, word is ego eimi, and it has a very specific and special significance. When you see Jesus saying, ego eimi, or I am, in the Gospel of John, it is going back to the burning bush with Moses. When, when Moses, trying to wiggle his way out of having to go back to Egypt to do what God wanted him to do and trying to talk his way out of the job, God's not letting him off the hook. And Moses is like, but they won't believe me. They won't know. Who shall I tell them sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you. Ego me. So this is Jesus claiming to be God himself. Let that sink in. I really want to emphasize that it's so important to realize who we're talking about here. We're talking about God. Second person, blessed trinity. And if he is God and not some liar or lunatic or crazy man, not even a prophet, but God, then that has drastic implications upon every decision you make in life in regards to God and the faith and your life, right? I mean, that's, I think that's important point number one. No, number two, the point here is he's saying to you, to us, to me and you, we're the fly on the wall who gets to overhear this conversation. I mean, so many times we read the, the gospel or the passages of scripture, we just in, insert ourselves as the primary audience, as the primary recipient of what's being said, and we're not. We're just the fly on the wall. Those men, those apostles were the primary audience. We get to listen to what was said. We get to overhear that. And he's saying that I'm sending you, and they are to receive you. And when they do, they receive me. And we know this is a powerful point throughout the Gospels and the New Testament, because what did Jesus do through those men? Well, he taught them clearly when he taught us in parables. So where do we go for the interpretive key to the parables? To his 12. That's the, by design. We know that from Matthew 18, that if we want to uh, have uh, an issue resolved, a conflict between us and another Christian, where are we to go ultimately? To the church. And if we reject the church, we're to be excommunicated. So our Lord, very clearly in sacred scripture, is setting up a hierarchy here. We know that he fed the crowds on more than one occasion through the twelve. It was the twelve who went out and distributed the bread, and it was the twelve who picked up what was left over in twelve wicker baskets full. We know that he gave them the power to heal, to forgive, to exercise, cast out demons, to, to handle venomous snakes and speak in other tongues. We know that he gave them the authority. Peter got the keys, but the rest got also this authority to bind and loose in John's gospel, to hear and to forgive sins. We know it is powerful what our Lord has done through these 12. He commanded them to go forth to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And if they reject them, then they are, they are out. They are on the outside in the weeping and gnashing of teeth. He chose them and he sent them forth. And if we reject them, we reject him. Let us meditate on that today. We'll be right back. Guess what's coming up next? Fear and trembling. Call now. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. 
pray to the Holy Spirit that he give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show. We have a secret and agendas, but what I need most is a phone call, and the phone lines are open, and Rudy Carlos is standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. Want to play the game with us? Now's your chance. You could win 877-757-9424. It's fun. You don't need to know the answers to win our game. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. One more time. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. But here's the deal. Uh, I don't like to tell people this. I want to keep this just between us. But there are some things we do on the back end of Catholic Drive Time. Don't tell Project Veritas I said this. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And number two, of course, we like to have a laugh and our callers are amazing. Uh, they are the best, and which is why we enjoy this most, because we laugh with, uh, with you and uh, you can do that by making that call at 877-757-9424. Phone lines are wide open right now at 877-757-9424. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain, because, you know, you're probably thinking, what? What, what are we dealing with here? Okay, here's the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me. 
but I don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know the answers and could still win the game. Because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Mike today and tomorrow. And one of which will give me a correct answer of the, uh, and the other will give me an incorrect answer and then all correct answers go into what we call the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. But as of right now, there are no callers on the line. So excellent chance, if you've never played, to jump in. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is that phone number. I'm not sure if we're having phone problems again today, but 877 757 Ninety-four, twenty-four. Now, the deal is, we give out prizes. So, at the end of the week, in fact, tomorrow is the day where we will pull a name out of the hat and we will announce it live on the show, and that person is going to win some cool stuff. For instance, this week, our sponsor is Rose Custom Planners. And uh, very grateful because they have uh, a planner that has recipes and a mass journal, and you can get up. Uh, my wife was just saying to me the other day that she wanted a planner. Well, this is the deal. RoseCustomPlanners.com has provided us uh, a wonderful gift like this to give away to one of you this week. So don't wait. Uh, you can be a part of this. Your last chance to get in on the drawing will be tomorrow. So thank you, RoseCustomPlanners.com. All right, let's go to the phones. Praise be to God. Thank you for those that did call in. Uh, if you don't get in, call tomorrow. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning. morning. We're going to have some fun. Well, uh, praise God. But Mike from Dallas, good morning to ah. you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God, Mike. Where do you go to church? Uh, Holy Spirit Catholic Church, Dunkerville, Texas. Well, how? Praise be to Jesus. Uh, are you familiar with the show, Mike? Do you understand how this game is played, sir? Yes, sir. I listen to you every morning. Well, we're grateful. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but uh, we're throwing a curveball at you this morning, Mike, because... We don't have Adrian with us today. We instead invited Mike Koeniger from Virginia on. And you know how Virginians can be, Mike. You know, they can be very tricky, but he claims he's not going to be. So you should know I'm on your side here, Mike from Dallas, and you and I together are going to navigate these tricky waters. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Mike K., uh, I guess today, in honor for you, we will start with you. You know, usually we start with Rudy, but he's over in Adrian's chair, and you're in Rudy's chair, so good morning to you, Mike K. Good morning. Praise be to God. Are you ready, sir? Oh, I'm ready. You sound very confident. Are you sure? Uh, I'm Semper Paratus. Semper Coast Guard wow. motto. Wow. Always ready. Got to love Coasties. Are you sure? I don't know how much sure I could be. Well, praise be to God. All right, Mike, here we go. Let's <laughs> play the game. Here we go. Number one, who is the founder of Christian monasticism. Oh, Joe, Joe, this is such an easy question because it's the guy who wrote the rules, St. Benedict. St. Benedict. Okay. Yes, he hmm. wrote the rules of monasticism. Did he? Oh, fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. Uh, St. Benedict, you say. Uh, all right, Mike from Dallas. Let's see what uh, Rudy has to say here. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. How are you liking spinning those plates over there? Oh, man, I'm getting so good at it. <laughs> you have a newfound appreciation for what Adrian does, I bet. Yep. All right, let's see if you can answer this question, though. Rudy, can you tell me, who is the founder of Christian monasticism? The founder of Christian monasticism, mm -hmm. as in mm -hmm. uh, what? Like, uh, I would argue monasteries. Monasteries, cloistered life. I'm going to guess... Uh, 
Hmm, St. Anthony the Abbot. St. Anthony the Abbot, you say? Mm hmm So, you're not on the board for Benedict, huh? No, I don't think so. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, Mike K, uh, not Mike K, Mike from Dallas. i got to get the mic straight this today. It's the Mike show. Uh, <laughs> Mike from Dallas. You have choices. It's a little tricky, I'm going to argue. But uh, who is the founder of Christian monasticism? Is it, as Rudy says, St. Anthony the Abbot? Or is it, as Mike K says, Benedict? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mike from Dallas, what say you? I'm going to have to go with Mike K and Benedict. Go the other way. Go the other way. Go. I I'm, meant... I'm uh, Rudy. Wow, what? <laughs> he, he said Rudy. <laughs> okay, we'll give it to you. Okay. Oh, congratulations, Mike from Dallas. Yeah, very wise, astute choice. It was tricky, though, but uh, in fact, the correct answer is St. Anthony the Abbot. And the key word here is monasticism. It was the cloistered monastery that kind of gave it away versus just having communities, which, by the way, St. Benedict wasn't the starter of that in the West. Uh, bonus question if you know who was. Mike K., do you know? No, I don't. St. Athanasius of Alexandria on exile brought with him the monasticism of St. Anthony of the Desert, and he founded that first. So there you go. Pop A uh, little bonus question there. All right, you're in, Mike from Dallas. You could win, praise be to God, but I think we're going to uh, double this uh, your chances with this next question. I want to say this is a pretty straightforward question, pretty easy, I would say. We're going to go to Rudy first. Rudy? Can you tell me, who was the first U.S. citizen who was beatified? Okay, so <clears throat> I happen to see this name plastered on every school there is here. Yes. Yes. So I'm just yes. going to take a wild guess yeah. and say St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Hmm. Sounds reasonable. Could be. Could be. But I wonder uh, what Mike K. will say here. Mike, uh, can you tell me? Who was the first U.S. citizen who was beatified? This is this is a hard one, not because I don't know the answer, okay, uh, but mm -hmm. because I can't say her name. Really? But I I, I think it was Saint. Uh, is it Kathawane? The American Indian Witha? Yes, that the American <laughs> Indian lady. <laughs> yeah, and don't feel bad. Nobody says her name the same. No two people say her name the same. So. Uh, you're saying you believe it's St. Kateri Tekakwitha was the first U.S. citizen right. to be beatified. That's your answer. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mike from Dallas, you have choices. Is it as Mike K. says, is it St. Kateri Tekakwitha? Or is it as Rudy says, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton as the first U.S. citizen who was beatified? Mike from Dallas, 15 seconds. What say you? Well, both great American saints. Um... I'm going to have to say St. Kakarita was the first being an Indian American. Are you sure? Okay. Or I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Uh, tricky curveball question. Uh, it, the key here was U.S. citizen. St. Kateri Tekakwitha was not, in fact, a U.S. citizen and uh, was, uh, in fact, died before the U.S. was a country, as far as I know. So... Okay. St. Elizabeth Ann, see, it's, it's tricky, I'm sorry, but uh, we'll blame Adrian, he picked the questions, so we'll just blame him, and he's on vacation, he can't defend himself. St. <laughs> Elizabeth Ann Seton is the correct answer there, it's the first U.S. citizen to be beatified. But, don't worry, 
This next question, easily the easiest question of all time. So easy. Easy peasy. Well, that scares me that Rudy agrees. But let's just, let's, just, let's just see how this goes. All right. Back to Mike K. Mike, can you tell me which non-liturgical color symbolizes Our Lady? Oh, I absolutely can. I don't look to my left, and I don't look to my right. Okay. <laughs> I'm a traditional Catholic. I look Ouch. up. I look up, and I see the most beautiful shade of blue, Joe. Ooh. Mm. Our, our lady dressed in blue. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Rudy, let's ask you, which non-liturgical color symbolizes Our Lady? Hmm, let's see. I have heard about lovely lady dressed in blue. Yeah. But I'm going to go with uh, pink. pink. Pink for our lady. Yes. Mm, pink. A true lady's color. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, there you go, Mike from Dallas. Uh, we have choices here. Uh, Rudy seems to think pink is our lady's color, whereas Mike K from Virginia seems to think that blue is our lady's color. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mike from Dallas, what say you? Yes, Our Lady in Blue. Our Lady in Blue. Survey says, of course. Great job, of course. my friend. So wise. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy. Tell me what to say. Fulton Sheen uh, was famous for reading that. Mike from Dallas, congratulations. You're in for two. You could win. You'll have to tune in tomorrow. But thanks for playing our game today. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you, Mike. Have a great day to you. We appreciate you being on. We're going to put you on hold to get your information, but that's going to do it for the radio side. Thank you, Mike Koeniger, for pitching in today. As hard as it is to you know, read the news and get up early and be a part of a remote show like that, you did great. So congratulations. Rudy, thank you for producing in uh, Adrian's vacation absence. And stick around with us, if you can, on the after show, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now. God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Pancras. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, the King of glory, King adored, this day himself from death restored. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May your church rejoice, O God, confident in the intercession of the martyr, St. Pancras, and by his glorious prayers may she persevere in devotion to you and stand ever firm through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. From Paphos, Paul and his companions set sail and arrived at Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. They continued on from Perga and reached Antioch in Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they entered into the synagogue and took their seats. After the reading of the Law and the Prophets, the synagogue officials sent word to them, My brothers, if one of you has a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. So Paul got up, motioned with his hand, and said, Fellow children of Israel, and you others who are God-fearing, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our ancestors and exalted the people during their sojourn in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he led them out, and for about 40 years, he put up with them in the desert. When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance at the end of about 450 years. After these things, he provided judges up to Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king. God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. Then he removed him and raised up David as their king. Of him he testified, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will carry out my every wish. From this man's descendants, God, according to his promise, has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. John heralded his coming by proclaiming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his course, he would say, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. Behold, one is coming after me. I am not worthy to unfasten the sandals of his feet. 
the word of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. The favors of the Lord I will sing forever. Through all generations my mouth shall proclaim your faithfulness. For you have said, My kindness is established forever. In heaven you have confirmed your faithfulness. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, that my hand may be always with him, and that my arm may make him strong. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and through my name shall his horn be exalted. He shall say of me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Savior. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Jesus Christ, you are the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. You have loved us and freed us from our sins by your blood. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I am not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. But so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on I am telling you before it happens so that when it happens you may believe that I am. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. These days of Easter, in the first reading, we are hearing of the different missionary travels of St. Paul and his companions as they go out uh, sent on mission to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Today's gospel reminds us that while the notion of our being sent out into mission is imperative of our Christian life, we also have the corollary to sending, which is receiving. In other words, in order to be sent out into mission, to be able to propose and invite people to come to know Jesus, we first have to be fully replenished ourselves and to receive the Lord so that we may be able to gift him to others. Suppose it comes down to the old adage, you can't give what you don't have. Receiving for the Christian life is really an essential part of what we do, and it is imperative every day of our life to make sure that we have contact and an encounter with Jesus so that we can share him with others. When we think of how it is that we receive the Lord, 
Of course, the first place we think of is at the Holy Mass in the Blessed Sacrament in the Eucharist, where we receive the transformational power of God's grace to receive his love, and then in receiving Jesus to be able to go out and share the Lord with other people. We also, of course, have to consider the Word of God in sacred scripture, and in particular, the words of Jesus in the Gospels. If we are to invite people or propose Christ to others, then it only makes sense that we would know what the Lord Jesus himself had to say, what his words were, so that we could then share those words with others. And so for us, the imperative of being able to receive the Lord in sacrament, in his word, is something which is a necessity to then be able to be sent out to share the gift of Jesus with other people. The second aspect of receiving, apart from the table of the Lord, which is most important, is also to think of the notion that we are also called to receive one another as gifts who have been sent to us by God. Sometimes when people come to us, even with demands or requests or maybe people who have a personality which can rub us the wrong way. Uh, perhaps occasionally we can be tempted to look at people as being a little bit of annoyances for us or maybe even the cause of frustration for us to one degree or another. But today's gospel reminds us that whoever comes to us in our life, whoever we come across, we're always called to perceive them as being sent by God and to have our ears open to listen to what the Lord is trying to communicate to us through them. Even in the case of challenges or difficult personalities, there's always something there that God is inviting us to grow in. There's always an opportunity of grace for us to grow in our Christian life. It could be that instead of looking upon someone with annoyance or with frustration, that we look upon them with patience and with love. And we see it as an opportunity to be able to grow and patience to be able to grow in understanding and to always recognize and in faith to view that God speaks to us sometimes in mysterious ways and many times he can speak to us through the voice of other people even sometimes through unexpected sources. Therefore my brothers and sisters today as we go forward in this Mass let us ask God for the grace that we would always be cognizant of the fact that we Christians, in order to give God's love, we need to be able to receive it and contact it every day and to recognize that the most tangible and concrete place to receive his love is at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, but to never neglect as well that we also encounter the voice of God and the people whom he sends to us, great and small. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to enact just laws that would respect the dignity of human life from the first moment of conception, and laws that would never contradict the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, 
for all those joining us online and through radio, for those who have asked for our prayers, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that we would always strive and be open in our hearts to encountering God in his word, in his sacrament, and through others. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, praise the everlasting King. Praise him for his grace and favor to his people in distress. Praise him still the same as ever, slow to chide and swift to bless. Alleluia, alleluia, glorious in his faithfulness. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Receive, we pray, O Lord, the sacrifice of conciliation and praise which we offer to your majesty in commemoration of the blessed martyr Pancras, that it may lead us to obtain pardon and confirm us in perpetual thanksgiving through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. By the oblation of his body, he brought the sacrifices of old to fulfillment in the reality of the cross. And by commanding himself to you for our salvation, showed himself the priest, the altar, and the lamb of sacrifice. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, Every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts 
Sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we, therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Pancras, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. 
Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quit all is Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamuni, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamuni, Dona nobis pacem, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. 
I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Victime Pascali Laudes, Imbolet Christiani, Onius Rade Mitoves, Christus and Ochets Patri, Reconcili Avit, Peccatores, Mors et Vita Duello, Conflixere mirando, Dux pite mortuus, Regnat vivus, Dic nobis Maria, Quid fidis di envia, Sepulchrum Christi viventis, Et gloriam vidi resurgentis, Angelicos testes, sudarium et vestes, surrexit Christus besmea, precedet suos in Galilea. Shimus Christum surrexise, amor tuis fere, to nobis victorex miserere. Amen. Alleluia. Let us pray. We have received your heavenly gifts rejoicing at this feast day, O Lord. Grant, we pray, that we who in this divine banquet proclaim the death of your Son may merit to be partakers with the holy martyrs in his, in his resurrection and his glory, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ye watchers and ye holy ones, Bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, Praise the glad strain, Alleluia! Cry out dominions, princedoms, powers, Virtues, archangels, angels, choirs, Alleluia! 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 Alleluia. Oh, higher than the prayer to Saint Michael. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Teresa with the Houston Catholic Women's Conference. 